Well, welcome. Thank you all for being here today. I'm glad that we're all here. We're in this series, Win the Day, and I want to start off to just ask you a quick question is how long have you lived? You know, you, there's probably a number that comes up in your mind, but when I ask you that question, is that your response? Is it the number of years that you lived? And so like me, if the first glance, I'm going to say, well, I'm, you know, 34, almost 35 years old. And so I imagine that if I asked you, depending on who you're around, you might lie. You might, if you're older, you might say that you're younger. If you're younger, you might say that you're older. You're trying, we're always trying to impress people and just like, you know, like in these moments and stuff. But what if I said, no, I'm talking about accumulating all of those moments in your life where you were truly living. How old would you be then? Would you be decades old? Would you be only years old? Would you be months old, days old? So it's, it's an interesting thing to think about is what are the moments in your life that you can look back to and you can say, man, I truly lived in those moments. And so today we're talking about time and actually about what it means to have a right relationship with time. And so in this series, Win the Day, we've been talking about how to have daily habits that are going to affect and change the rest of our lives when we put them into practice, even on a little by little basis each day. And so we've gone through five habits so far. I'm going to run through them quickly with just a little thought explaining them. So the first one was flip the script. <laughs> Flip the script. It's uh, basically changing our mindset about the situations that we're going to. Sometimes we need to just flip the script and change the way we think. The second one was kiss the wave. This one was my personal favorite. Is like looking at the low moments or moments in our lives to push us towards trusting in Jesus. The third one was eat the frog. Is doing the daily things that are sometimes hard to do that are going to propel us into our future. Uh, number four was fly the kite, and I love that one too. It's starting off with small beginnings. Sometimes if we want to eat an elephant, we have to, this can be daunting, but we have to do it little by little, one bite at a time. And so I don't recommend eating elephants. It's an expression. So I just want to like throw that out there. And then uh, last week we talked about cutting the rope. And that's just taking calculated risks for the things we believe God's asking us to do. Like getting that bravery just to do it and cut the rope. And so today, today's habit is, uh, we're talking about time, but it's called winding the clock. And so I think when we're talking about like time and we're talking about our relation to it, many of us are stuck in the past. Something happened to us, an experience happened, and we just choose to live in that moment rather than moving forward. But then I think some of us are stuck with fear of the future, where it's like we're, and then think of like the last year with all the unknowns. We're worried about what's to come. And so what happens when we do that is we rob our present living moments. And so this is kind of what we're talking about today. Winding the clock is about how we live in the tension of the present that is being pulled between our past and our future. And so how do we kind of look at that today? And so uh, we don't want to live our lives as being uh, only partially present because we're stuck just sulking in the past about something that happened to us. But neither do we want to be siloed away and apart, afraid about what the future might have. And so our big idea today is simply that time is measured in minutes, but true life is measured in moments. 
And that's what we're going to be looking about over and over today, is that the difference between being our age, like a number, and maybe we haven't truly lived, that the moments in time that we've actually truly lived is only a fraction of our actual age. And so it's easy to understand time as the number of seconds that pass minute by minute. But as time simply ticks away, are we really experiencing the life that God has for us? The habit of winding the clock is simply... Uh, managing our minutes so that we can recognize our moments. And so the verse that we're going to be looking at today is Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. It's a, a short two verses. And in this letter of Ephesians, Paul is writing and encouraging the church in Ephesus. Like just before this part of the letter, he's encouraging them to really throw off some of their sinful acts and to really become children of light. He's asking them to live their lives in the way of love exemplified by Jesus. And so he's asking them to just truly like think about and consider the way they're living so that they can take uh, advantage of every opportunity like we're going to read. So this is what he says in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so in our conversation today, I want you to think about this verse in two ways. I'll read it again. The first part, be very careful then how you live, not as, wa- not as unwise, but as wise. And so, or I want you to consider that that first part, think about this. That's how we manage our minutes. We want to do that wisely. And then making the most of every opportunity because the days are, of, because the days are evil is like how we recognize our moments. We want to take advantage of every opportunity. And so interestingly enough, the King James Version of this passage translate that uh, make the most of every opportunity phrase. It, re- it translates it in a different way. It calls this redeeming the time. And so our lives can actually be postured in ways that look past the chronological chronological way of looking at time to see life's important moments that might be happening under the surface. How can we redeem the time that each of us have? We're going to talk about that. But I want you to think about these two different ways that the Greek writing uses words for time. In the original Greek in which the New Testament was written, the word opportunity that's in that Ephesians verse, verse 16, is the word kairos. And so it's important to know what kairos means. It's one of two common words that's either used. It's either kairos or chronos. And so the way that it's being used in that opportunity phrase is that it is being, it's a way, it's like an opportunity or decisive moment that is being described. It's not about a chronological time. Chronos, that other word, is used in other times, and it's just looking at like the passage of time. Uh, as an example, it's not going to be on the screen, but 25, uh, Matthew 25, 19, Jesus is telling a parable and it starts off and he says this, and he's using the word chronos here. He says, after a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. And so Jesus, that, that chronos word is just a way to signify minutes and seconds that passing by. But chronos, so, so go back to that first question I asked you, how old are you? When you say 34, when I say 34, almost 35 years old, that's a chronos answer. But if I hear that question, how long have you truly lived? And I think about the moments and the times where I've truly been living, 
That's a Kairos answer. That's a way to say, I've taken advantage of every opportunity. I'm choosing to live for the life and moments that God has for me. And so when I can identify those moments of my life where I felt God move or truly felt alive, those are those Kairos moments I'm talking about. And so think about those things in your own life. These might be wedding days. These might be births of family members. This might be hard doctor's appointments. It might be new jobs, new moves, big decisions that you or your family have faced. That, that like These are times when you're out in creation and you just feel the presence of God. That, those are Kairos moments. They're, uh, uh, they're moments that are just decisive in your life. Things that you would just say, man, I'm truly living right now. And I hope that as we go through today, you're able to think of those types of moments in your life. Because that's really what we're hitting on today. But these concepts of time are really played a lot on screen when we're watching TV and we're watching film. Maybe you can think of some movies that kind of use time and mess with it or play with it. Time travel is a, a fun thing to like watch on TV. You know, Avengers Endgame, time travel, spoilers, I got them all for you here. But one of my favorite film directors is actually, his name's Christopher Nolan. And so he's directed a number of movies you probably have heard of before. The Batman, like Dark Knight series, he did that. One of my all-time favorites, probably my all-time favorite movie is Inception. It's, you know, like putting dreams into other people's minds and going going deep levels down I, is really interesting to me. More recently, last summer during COVID, uh, he released the movie Tenant. Super confusing movie. I would use it as an uh, explanation of what we're talking about today, but I still don't really understand it. So uh, what I want to do is wind the clock back a little bit and go to 2014 and Christopher Nolan's movie Interstellar. Still very science-y confusing at moments, but I feel like I have a grasp and a handle on it after seven years. Um, it's a 2014 movie with Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, you know, of the fame. And um, it's based on space exploration through a wormhole because the story is Earth is uninhabitable in the coming years and they have to find new planets to live on. And so uh, NASA and Earth, like everyone's banding together, they send teams through the wormhole to, they know there's 12 planets on this other side and they're looking at three of them because there are signs that it can inhabit human life in the future. And so uh, it's a long movie. It's two and a half hours, so I'm not going to try and condense it and explain all the things. Uh, but I would, after today, I like the movie. I think you would like it too. Maybe after what we're talking about today, you're like, I want to understand more about how time works. And even though you could read articles that say maybe the movie didn't do it justice in the correct way, it's still interesting. So maybe you'll watch it and you'll let me know what you thought and we could have an interstellar conversation uh, together. I would love it. So, but there's one crucial scene in that movie that I really want to hit on because it talks about this idea of minutes versus moments. And so it's just it's kind of set the stage. They go through the wormhole. And so if you know anything about wormholes, it's really involving gravitational pull and just all this power and just, you know, unimaginable the amounts of the going on. So they get through, they're visiting three planets, and the first one is close to the wormhole. And so what this does is when they go visit the worm or the, the planet, one hour on that planet is equal to seven years back at home on Earth. And so they do, like, they kind of do this, like, negotiation with each other, like, 
I'm going to stay on the ship. I'm going to learn more about time and gravity. You guys go down there, and when we come back, you know, it'll be good. Well, so they do it, and just, you know, stuff goes bad. A one-hour or less than one-hour trip turns into, like, three hours, and they get back, and the guy that's on the ship has aged 24 years. And they realize that just this these like little moment on that planet just changed the course of their mission and what they're going to do. And um, there's this really touching moment, kind of sad, like where Matthew McConaughey has to go to a video screen and all of a sudden all these videos from the past 24 years that he's missed of his family, they're telling him like, you know, I've gotten married, I've had kids, you know, the earth is becoming uninhabitable. It's very sad. And you just see him kind of just like crying. If, you have, if you're following on the app, we have pictures if you want to see. But uh, just him crying in front of the TV screen, you know, it's, if you like that sort of thing. But it's very touching. It's very moving. And I encourage you uh, to watch it and just consider this. Because what I love that it signifies is that for what was minutes to them, just a passage of time of one to three hours turned into moments of life that were missed, that he missed in his family, that he's only seeing through a screen. And so it's just something to consider that when we're talking about this difference between minutes and moments, we can go through our whole lives living minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, and so on. Or we can live for the minutes or for the moments that God has for us. There's this really great quote from one of the physicists in the movie. He says, I'm not afraid of death. I'm a physicist. I'm afraid of time. And I think that does a great job of summing up some of the ways that we live sometimes. We're not afraid necessarily of a large number of age. We're, we're afraid of death because of the moments that are going to be lost, those true life moments that we might miss with someone. And so it's really just very interesting. Jesus ultimately was the best one about living in the moment. I mean, he was fully present all the time. And I love this verse out of Romans 5. It's verse 6. And Paul's writing and he says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Like Jesus came in the moment of history and of time that was just right, but also for us here present right now. He came for us. And that word time is not about chronos. It's not about a passage of minutes. It is about an opportunity, a decisive moment in history. And so for all of us followers of Jesus, the moment we recognize what Jesus did for us and reorient our lives around Jesus, that's the beginning of this opportunity to look at how we live our own lives and how it relates to time. And so two thoughts for you today. Um, and these are all around the idea of to wind the clock, we need to, thought one, manage our minutes. You know, I just got through saying moments are most important, but what we'll, what we'll really understand is that in order to embrace those moments, we actually need to manage our minutes wisely. And so time is a great equalizer. Think about it. Where we can usually look at our jobs and we say, man, that person has a much better paying job than that person. Or I live in a much more expensive part of the country or world 
than other people are living in. It's easy to look at financial, you know, uh, fluctuations and say, well, this person's richer, this person's not. But one thing that equalizes us all is that we all have the same amount of time to live with. Seconds, minutes, hours in a week, we all have the same ones to use. Managing minutes isn't about creating stress or micromanaging ourselves to create more stress and more anxiety. You know, I'm, what I'm talking about managing our minutes, I'm talking about being a gracious manager. We all want, like, places to be in places of management. And so I want to encourage you today. This isn't about, like, freaking yourself out and being so worried about every minute that you're wasting. But as a manager, think of yourself as, like, a team manager encouraging yourself to ask you some questions like this. Do I want my life to be about growing closer towards God on a continual basis? Do I want to see my relationship with my family, with my friends and colleagues grow and flourish? Do I want to live at a certain level of health? How do I want to be present to recognize those true life moments? These are questions when we're managing our minutes we should be able to have with ourselves. And say, Am I, does the way I use my time co- correspond to how I answer those questions? And so on a week-by-week basis, basis, maybe you pull out a journal and you just look, how did I spend my time last week? You know, did I use it wisely? One concept to consider when we're doing this is to curse the barren fig trees in our lives. In Luke 13, there's a parable that Jesus uses where he talks about barren fig trees. And basically, the sum of it is, if it's not going to bear fruit, then we should cut it down. In actually Mark 11, there's a story where Jesus walks past a fig tree that's not bearing fruit. He curses it. They go back to it the next day, and the tree has withered. And so all of this is a way for us to look and see the things in our lives that we may give time to, when we're talking about time right now, are they providing the fruit that we want to produce in our own lives? All of us have barren fig trees. If I'm being honest, (laughs) this thing right here in my pocket is a barren fig tree much of the time. So many distractions. I have all these notifications that just pop up, and I went through and tried to turn a bunch of them off. I get buzzed on my phone when, or on my watch when I get a notification on my phone and it just distracts me. It can ruin like an hour where I'm trying to be focused just by a simple notification. And uh, when you think about what you're actually doing on those phones, a lot of it's social media. Another, maybe that's a barren fig tree for you. Here's one stat. In the United States, people spend two hours and three minutes a day on social media. That's the average. So some people are less than that, and then some people are more than that. That's what I love about averages is like, that's just the middle, but there's people more and there's people less. And so most of our phones, I want to encourage you, have some form of accountability on there where you can look and see how you've spent your time. And so like on iPhones, it's screen time. I'm sure Android has one of those things too. But I would encourage you, if you're willing to have those sorts of managing minutes, conversations with yourself, to be that encouraging manager, look at how you spend your time on your phone and say, maybe if I just turned off my notifications, I wouldn't be so distracted to do some of those things. Or I'd be able to reroute some of those times as a resource to do other things. And so 
money is different than time, like we talked about. But what if we set an alarm in the mornings for 15 minutes early as a small investment over time in the things that we're wanting to build up in our lives? Like if I'm wanting to read my Bible and pray more, maybe a 15 minute start earlier start to the day would help me to invest into that. And, you know, you start small and build up over time and it becomes an easier and easier thing where it becomes about what you're actually reading and less about the act of getting up. It's hard. And so that's where habit stacking like that has talked about before can, can really help. You set the alarm, immediately turn on the coffee, then pick up your Bible. When you start doing that, you will crave the coffee. And then when you do the coffee, you will crave the Bible because it's a part of your daily rhythm. So that's an encouragement for you. A guy I follow on Twitter wrote this in the last week. He said, weekly, Americans consume 100,000 words, the equivalent of two books via snacking on social media, blogs, and cable news. That's a lot. What if we just rerouted some of that time we invest on reading those small little bites and those kind of clickbait things, and we actually read a real book? Or we consume different sorts of media that's going to produce the fruit in our lives that we want to build up. Cursing the barren fig tree might mean taking out some of those things, but also might just be simply setting boundaries in our lives. One idea to do this is a day of rest. The Bible calls that Sabbath, and it's one of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, you can read about it. And one of the most interesting things that I look at when I look at those Ten Commandments is the longest commandment, the one that has the most words and content, is the command to keep a Sabbath. And I just laugh. I think about God. He's like, he's like saying, obviously, don't murder, don't steal, don't cheat on your spouse, etc. You know, the obvious ones. And so he's like, that's a big duh. Like, I think we all can agree on those things. But what I really need to convince you to do and spend time on is to take a day off. And I find it interesting that our culture struggles with this so much that we don't, it's so hard to imagine setting aside a 24-hour time period where we just say, God, you have my attention. I'm going to do things that don't distract from you, but I'm just going to focus on you. And though that's going to look different for every single person. And I'm excited in the coming weeks and months to talk more about that kind of stuff because it's going to help us live lives that are fully present and emotionally healthy. Uh, one of my uh, most like authors that I've really enjoyed like uh, reading in the last year, his name's Rich Velotis, and he wrote this book called The Deeply Formed Life, and he has this sentence on Sabbath, and I want to encourage you to just listen to this. He says, Sabbath creates a space for a holy unawareness in a world of techn technical technological omniscience. So essentially, it's a holy unawareness for the technology that gives us access to everything. Sabbath forms us to be present in one place amid the desire to be omnipresent. Sabbath shapes us to enjoy the limits of our humanity rather than grasp at omni... omni man, I'm having a hard time with these words. Omnipot omnipotence. Whatever. You know what I'm saying. Basically... When we're in Sabbath, we are constraining ourselves to not feel like we need to know everything and be everything and be everywhere. 
but we're limiting ourselves to be with God, be present in the now for who God wants us to be. And so as Mark Batterson would say, if managing minutes is a science, then managing moments is an art. And so once we manage our minutes, this leads us to thought too, to wind the clock, we need to recognize our moments. Like to truly be present and recognize the moments God has for us. Remember back to Ephesians, we're careful with how we live by managing our minutes wisely, but we make the most of every opportunity by recognizing these opportunities. In a very real way, we're actually multiplying these moments and opportunities because we're actually present and not distracted. Like, they actually become more than we would ever think or imagine. But the thing is, these moments often happen when we least expect it. And so, yes, we want, like, to wake up and see the sunrise. Like, those are moments. We want to end the day and see the sunset and have it be beautiful every week. Those are these types of moments. We want these times to be surrounded, like, these, like, life-giving moments to be full of laughter and peace. When it's really easy to identify. And so you might be tempted to think that these Kairos moments are only times when we can just sit back, put our feet up and just like, you know, even with a chill sigh, just say, man, this is living. But as we read through scripture and we even look at Jesus's life, that's not always the case. These moments come in times that are messy. They come in times of sacrifice. They come in times when maybe things aren't working out the way we want them to. And so just think about the, that passage, making the most of every, every opportunity because the times are evil. And so look at, let's look at Jesus' life a little bit. When religious leaders are wanting to stone a woman who committed adultery, Jesus jumps in. He's present, and he says, why don't we let the one who has never sinned cast the first stone? Literally, he's kind of saying, over my dead body, this is going to happen. Then, in the days before his crucifixion, a woman comes up to Jesus, anoints him with perfume. That costs a year's wages. The disciples, like, freak out. They're, they're saying, like, we could have fed the poor with this. And Jesus says, no, what this woman has done is good. And whenever the gospel is preached, people are going to know about what she did. He's present. When kids want to run up to Jesus, his own disciples want to shoo them away. Like, like, get out. Don't bother the teacher. Don't bother Jesus. He's busy. But Jesus looks at them and says, come to me, and that the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so then I want you to remember Paul's, what he said in Romans, that we, what we read. At just the right time, Jesus died for all of us. And in this season, as we approach Easter, I think this is crucially important for us to recognize, is that sometimes these Kairos moments these decisive and life-changing opportunities are found in painful and sacrificial moments. That in order to get the moment of resurrection that we so celebrate, that brings us life, Christ had to experience death on a cross. That's pretty impactful. But even on the cross, Jesus was present. He recognized the moments from there. You know, he's up there on the cross and he has the wherewithal to say, Father, forgive these ones for they don't know what they're doing. 
he has the emotional intelligence to be able to say, John, can you take care of my mom? Even one of the prisoners that's crucified with him, Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And so these are the moments that Jesus wants us to recognize, is that we can be present because we've chosen to manage the minutes that we have in a wise way. And so um, I want to read Romans that 5, 6 that we talked about. Jesus came at just the right time. There's a whole passage there, Romans 5, 1 through 11, that really just sets the scene about what Jesus was doing and how present he was. And so this is what it says in verse 1. It says, Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loved us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people will not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we are still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. And so today, I just want us to realize that God loves us so much that at just the right time in human history, like, this is where I feel like it's a moment that hits both Kronos and Kairos. That at just the right time in human history, Jesus came. Whatever needed to happen, all the things fell into line for God to send Jesus to earth. And it was just the right time. But it's also just the right time for each of us here to realize that we're loved by God. And we are his children. We are friends with him. And so I hope that uh, for those of us who have chosen to follow Jesus, we would begin to live our lives just with this one decision made, that we would look to our decision whenever we choose to make that. For me, it was like when I was seven years old. It's coming up on 30 years. That's weird to say. But it's like this moment where I could say, I did not truly live until I truly knew Jesus. And so the, would that be the first moment, the first moment where we could honestly say true life began in our life? And so then in response to that, response to that moment in our lives, we would be able to put this practice that we're talking about today of winding the clock. That's our action point today, that we would wind the clock and consider how we're managing our minutes and how we're choosing to recognize the moments that God has for us.
And so that might sound really like, you know, thought-provoking and really out there, but how do we practically put that into practice? And so as I was even thinking this morning, I was like, in the last year of COVID, there's been so much fear about the future and what is to come. There's been so much done and said about whether we should wear masks, whether we should get vaccines, and how we should live our lives, and the government can't tell us what to do. And we get worked up about all of these things. And I want to encourage you to say those are not the moments and things that God wants us to be focused on. But he wants us to look at what if we looked at the last year and said COVID-19 was actually one big Kairos moment for us to take advantage of. That whatever situation we've been put in, like jobs, like we have to, we had to totally change the way we've worked. That maybe that would be a Kairos moment where we would learn to grow and say, God, you're walking with me through this. And that the last year wouldn't be marked by suffering, but we worked marked by growth that comes out of suffering. What if we looked at the way we've had to adapt that in our schools or in our relationships with friends or having to be on Zoom some of the time for these things that used to be normal or whatever it is, we've all had to go through these moments and it's easy just to think of them as negative things that we just want to get through and get finished and get done with to get on to true life. But what if true life and peace of mind in those moments was the Kairos moment that we may have missed. And so that's what I just want us to think about today, especially as we're open life. We're in a Kairos moment. We're transitioning to moving to the pack again. We're going to think about, it's a marker. We're going to think about this for years to come, about a moment where we transition from being in Saturday. I was talking to a friend from Montana and this week, and I was like, we meet on Saturday mornings. And he's like, that's weird. And I said, yeah, it really is. But it's a Kairos moment we've had to grow into. And I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the times of worship we've had here in this place. I've enjoyed the opportunity just to be with God and to rest and be in his presence. And so all I want to say is we're walking into another Kairos moment of moving into the pack. New people are going to come just because we're moving back on Sundays. And so we have the opportunity to consider how are we managing our minutes now so that we can recognize the moments that we're now walking into. And so as we go into worship, as I pray, I just want to encourage you to think and consider how might you be managing your minutes, not just how it pertains to the church, but how does it pertain for your future and the things the way that you're living so that you can recognize the moments that God has for you and then be present wherever you're at. Wherever God has placed you, just choose to look and open your eyes and recognize the people, the opportunities, the place where you have voice to speak truths just out of life that you have with him. And so God, we just thank you for this opportunity. I pray, Lord, that we would just sit and dwell in this moment and use it as an opportunity to make the most of. God, we have an opportunity every time we gather to worship to just let it be 
a Kairos moment to say, God, I want to make the most of this opportunity. Why can't this be a decisive moment for me to rest with you, to be in your presence and you to move in my life? And so I pray, Lord, that as we manage our minutes, we would offer that to you as a, as a sacrifice and as a way to say, God, use this, the same amount of time that everyone else has, God, but I want you to use it for me, for me to know you more, for me to be more present with, for my family, for my friends, for my work colleagues, God, for everyone that I come in contact with. God, let us just trust in your will the way that you've marked our paths for the future. God, let us walk into it, not mourning the past where it derails us and not being scared of the future that we wouldn't experience, but that we would live in the tension of the present and fully know you and fully be ready for those opportunities you have for us. We ask this in your mighty name today. Amen.